Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Uh, Jacob Resnick's back. We have quite a bit on the docket. Um, I think the Mets getting swept in Atlanta this weekend is probably the the last of our our, our, our topics for today. Um, of course, if everybody was watching, we're recording. It's like 10 after 5 on Sunday afternoon. So this is all real fresh. Uh, Ioannis Espedes has opted out of the season. Uh, it took some tooth pulling, but we eventually got to that uh, point on Sunday afternoon after the game. Uh, hey, Jess. Hey, hey, Jacob. Uh, thanks again for, for coming on. I'm sorry. I kind of uh, no, got carried away. It's a uh, <laughs> wild, wild situation. Um, and not even to mention what's, what's going on on the field. Uh, but uh, you know, yet again, there's some um, something off the field that is that is distracting from what's going going on on the field. Um, and you could certainly point fingers and, and say that that people on both sides messed up. Um, but but we'll get into it and, and kind of try to figure out just what the what the heck is going on. Yeah, and I think Sunday just started off on a, on a strange foot. Um, Two Mets pitchers who were designated for assignment in in recent days, uh, Tyler Bashler and <clears throat> excuse me Jordan Humphreys, uh, both found new homes on Sunday. Uh, which you know there were portions of the fan base decrying that portion, saying, "Oh well, he was DFA'd already." As Jacob kind of got into on last week's show, uh, that's not entirely the case. Um, you know, these guys were DFA'd with well. Jacob's going to get into that in a second. In, in, in any case, uh, both Humphreys in San Francisco and Bachelor in Pittsburgh have found new, new homes. Uh, the Mets got back Billy Hamilton in the Humphreys deal, and they got back an um, uh, exciting young player named Cash Considerations in the, uh-huh. um, in the, other, in the Bachelor deal. So hopefully that pans out. But um, Jacob, I know, you, you, like you said, you spoke briefly about it last week. Um, how did the Mets get to this point where they end up with with two less prospects in their system, two promising arms, you know, not top flight, but two promising arms and are gone from the system and they they really have nothing to show for it. How do um <laughs> how do you how do you justify that? Not yeah, you, I mean, but I, how does the yeah, team yeah, justify yeah. that? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, I, mean, I want I want you to answer for this front office now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if only I was in the position to to be making these moves. Um but yeah, I mean, I talked about it a little bit the last time I was on. I felt compelled the other night to, to write a, a a much longer article that that kind of spelled everything out uh, on, on paper uh, or on the on the screen. Um, basically, you know, you you just in in managing your forty man roster, you need to have uh, a sizable middle class, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, you you want as big of a a pool of guys that you like, but don't mind, uh, you know, having to designate for assignment or, or cut off the roster in order to add, uh, you know, a new player when you need him. Um, <laughs> the Mets quote unquote middle class on their 40 man roster is, uh, probably two players, two or three players, uh, or, or it was going into the season. It's probably smaller than that now. Um, and that led to them having to dip into the prospects um, in terms of, of cutting these guys who, who they needed to cut to add. I mean, it, you know, it's not like they were they were adding these big acquisitions. It was, you know, Jake Marisnik went down. They had to add Ryan Cordell and Ryan Cordell was not on the 40 man roster. So they had to make room for him. 
Um, and then, uh, um, oh, Eduardo Nunez goes down. They need to add Brian Dozier. He's not on the 40 man roster, so they had to, to make room for him as well. Um, you know, so, so <laughs> they, they entered the offseason with these, these prospects the Jordan Humphreys, the Thomas Sapuckis, Ali Sanchez, Andres Semenes, um, who coming into the normal 2020 season didn't look like they would have any, uh, you know, impact in the major leagues, um, you know, anytime soon. Um, but they were still on the roster. You know, they were still prospects that, that you want in your organization. They were just on the 40 because you were protecting them from the, the rule five draft. So, um, but unfortunately, because of tons of injuries and they weren't, weren't the big injuries or, you know, Syndergaard got, had Tommy John surgery. He was put on the 45 day, formerly 60 day injured list, that clear a spot on the roster, but these were, you know, kind of nicks and, and dings like the, the Gazelman triceps injury and the, the Stroman, you know, calf tear that that's not supposed to keep them out that long. Uh, Walker Lockett going on the injured list with a strained back, you know, so these weren't guys that you were going to put on the 45 day injured list to, to, uh, to clear a roster spot. So they, they had to dip into, um, you know, guys like Bachelor who, who looked, have looked promising, but just, uh, haven't been able to figure out, figure it out, but could have, I, you know, the thing with Bachelor is frustrating because he, he never ended up pitching, uh, in the major leagues in the, uh, Jeremy Hefner era, uh, of, of being the Mets pitching coach. So, uh, you know, I felt like maybe he would have had a chance to turn it around with, with Hefner. Uh, and a more, you know, analytic um, and pitching philosophy or more forward thinking pitching philosophy that would have lended, lended itself to bathroom skill sets. Uh, and then you ended up having to cut Humphreys. Um, and all of this kind of could have been avoided had they just, not all of it, but maybe some of it could have been avoided. had they just, you know, admitted their losses on, on Jed Lowry and, and moved him to the 45 day injured list. They finally did that today. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if they had done that instead of uh, cutting Humphreys, they wouldn't have lost one of their, uh, you know, high, highly regarded pitching prospects. So kind of questionable roster management. Um, it, it's unfortunate that, that uh, actual players who have a future uh, are being uh, lost in, in favor of uh, the Brian Dozers and the, you know, Hunter Strickland's and the, the Brian Cordell's of the world. But um, you know, so be it. And, you know, every, I mean, every team is really in this same kind of situation with, uh, having to deal with, uh, expanded active rosters, but the same size 40 man roster. But, uh, honestly, it seems like the Mets are the only ones who are kind of feeling the, feeling the, the pains of having to, to make the roster turn, uh, in this situation that they're in. Well, yeah. And, you know, a, a little bit of foresight just would have probably been prudent here. And of course they couldn't foresee. Uh, the restrictions that the COVID shortened season would bring. But like you said, bringing guys up who maybe weren't quite ready or, or expected to hit the show so fast, um, making ulterior moves. You brought up Lowry, you know, it, it would have served him a little bit better. And uh, it's a shame because you have a guy like Humphreys who missed so much time, worked his way all the way back, uh, excelled against the best prospects in baseball last fall, like a sub one ERA in the Arizona fall league and a few, you know, a handful of appearances, but still that's encouraging. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure we've seen the uh, Matthew Brownstein 
uh, interviewed John Updike, um, who was the scout who found Humphreys, I believe. I might, <laughs> if I'm speaking yeah, yeah. wrong on that, I apologize. Yeah. But he, yeah, he like, he, he, yeah, he related in an interview how, like, how excited Humphreys was to make the 40 man. And, you know, that's just, um, I guess it's part of the business, but it's, you know, from our standpoint, like as a fan, as someone who's, you know, put a little time into covering and, and researching these guys, you know, I saw the promise. I saw the promise in Bachelor too, but, um, you know, I guess it's part of the breaks. It just seems so avoidable. Absolutely. And, um, you know, they've been adding, uh, adding these, you know, Back fourth outfielders, fourth and fifth outfielders, and, and giving up prospects. I mean, you think all the way back to the Keon Broxton trade, <laughs> yeah. um, where you know they didn't give up top tier prospects, but they gave up prospects. Uh, they gave up their fourth round pick from the previous summer, uh, Adam Hill, uh, and uh, you know then you had the uh, the Jake Marisnik trade over the offseason. He has been hurt. They actually pushed him. He, he had a hamstring injury in summer camp. They put him on the active roster anyway to start the season. Then he ended up after a couple of uh, a couple of appearances, he ended up on the injured list for for now with a hamstring injury. So the, and they traded Blake Taylor for him, and he's been pitching very well with the Astros so far. Uh, and now you're picking up a guy like Billy Hamilton, who uh, was available to all 30 teams as a minor league free agent over the offseason. Um, and honestly, when you have a guy, you know, like Hamilton, who's literally his entire game is based around his speed, and and obviously his speed helps him in, in the outfield as well when he's playing defense um you know you have a guy like Dennis Rufargus um at the alternate site in Brooklyn who's I guess a poor man's uh Billy Hamilton if Billy Hamilton is a rich man's Dennis Rufargus I don't know they, they feel like the same they, they feel like the same player to me so um you know it just it's it's not an, an exciting addition uh by any means um but we'll see if he even ends up making the team at any point uh if not then they uh, you know, exchanged one year of uh, stashing Billy Hamilton at the alternate site for uh, the entire career of, of Jordan Humphries. Yeah. And then to, um, I guess, to lead into the game, uh, now it turns out that the Mets have to, you know, and they have other outfielders available to them, but now they got to fill Cespedes' spot with, a, with presumably a Billy Hamilton. And, um, you know, and... In a vacuum, I'm going to jump to Cespedes real quick. In a vacuum, without Cespedes, you can kind of make this lineup work. There's a little more at-bats for Dom to be had. There's more at-bats for JD to be had. Maybe a little more um, stability in where you're going to stick these guys. I kind of liked what they went out there with on Sunday. Dom in left field, JD in the DH spot. Um, You know, Dom's defense probably isn't much worse than JD's. And to have both their bats in the lineup is a plus. But... um, Either I know we just talked about foresight, but um, so Cespedes out and the whole storm that came with that. I'm trying to figure out how to approach this, Jacob. Um, <laughs> this is all very for the listeners. This is all very new. So very we're, new. We're, we're, we're going on very little, very little information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so just you know, optics alone. Um, Brody Van Wagenen released a statement during the game. Um, I want to say maybe the third inning. First inning. First inning. Okay. First First or second inning. Something like that. It was very early. Broke into a live game um, and had the booth announced and had every 
beat announcer, um, every beat writer announced uh, pretty much simultaneously that uh, Cespedes was nowhere to be found, didn't report to work today, yada, yada, yada. Um, of course, you know, naturally the, the fan base and on Twitter and stuff like that, um, everyone became concerned and, and with justification, you know, you, to give us a statement like that where someone's presumed, presumably missing, um, everyone, of course, you know, jumped to Cespedes' safety. And then, you know, miraculously, without talking to the player, presumably, of course, um, the Mets released a statement that they have no reason to believe that Cespedes' safety is uh is in is in question which is reassuring but it's a little puzzling as to how they got that information if they didn't talk to him uh rumors started spilling out onto twitter um i guess just a a twitter buddy uh, rich mcleod tweeted out that he had heard from sources or whispers that cespedes was opting out and this was probably in the fourth or fifth inning um jacob the peculiar nature of the timeline here is it's a little boggling um i I, myself included some folks have turned to a more nefarious kind of plot um i'm trying to hold back from doing that because we don't have information but in all fairness this doesn't look great right i'm not crazy no it doesn't um and you know you know, Sussex was not in the lineup today. Um, yeah. And there was no reason. I mean, Luis Rojas had said before the game that, that he just was giving him a day off. Um, there was no reason to believe that anything was wrong. Um, he was even asked if there was anything wrong. And, and he had, he said there wasn't. Uh, Rojas obviously did not know the situation. That's what he said after the game. So I'm not, I'm not blaming him for, for saying uh, that there was nothing wrong with him. Um, but there was no reason for it going into the game for anyone to believe that, that there was anything wrong with Cespedes. No one was questioning uh, where he was. Um, no one, no one had, had pointed out that he wasn't there. Um, so coming out with the statement just didn't really seem like it was necessary. I mean, maybe they wanted to get out ahead of, of, of you know, reporters with uh, you know, uh, anonymously sourced reports or so- something like that. I, I, I don't know, but, um, just coming out with with that statement just seems like it caused panic for no reason. Um, everyone went straight to the worst. But actually, I mean, actually, some people uh, went straight for the jokes, which I thought was in, in absolutely terrible taste, uh, yeah. considering considering uh, what we didn't know. Um, but you know, when when <laughs> when the statement reads, he did not reach out to management with any explanation for his absence. Our attempts to contact him have been unsuccessful. I mean, you you are thinking, oh my God, this guy's missing. Is he in danger? Uh, this is a real a real human person who's who's missing, uh, and, and his his job can't get in, in contact with him. Um, so yeah, I, I thought I thought it was was uh, very peculiar, and and like you mentioned, the the follow up. How do they know what like that he's not in danger if they haven't been able to get in contact with him? Um, and if they did know why he wasn't in danger, why didn't you just say that during the game? I guess I, I, I don't know. It was it was just kind of a, a wild, wildly unfolding Mets PR thing that Mets uh, happened plenty of plenty of times before. Yeah, and you know what struck me is that 
All right. So let's just assume that Cespedes was missing as the first statement kind of alluded to. It was, was just, you know, I don't want to use missing as in, oh, he's missing, he's kidnapped. No, but he's, nobody knows where he is. So technically he's missing. You know, after a certain amount of time, your natural next step would be to go to the authorities. Um, at no point in that process, and of course, this is just mild observational stuff, but would, a, would the employer, you know, tweet out to its followers, hey, our employee is missing. <laughs> you know, it just seems so odd. And I, I'm sure, you know, if this was a true investigation where somebody was actually missing, you know, authorities would be furious at them for leaking that information. It's just none of it passes the smell test to me. And you know me, I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to these things. But um, my bullshit radar went up immediately. And and it's just it. it's almost like we're used to it by now. Um, but this just seemed so much worse than usual. Yeah, it did. Uh, and, and coupled with the fact that they uh, just played an absolutely poor game uh, on the field, actually not, not on the pitching side, because David Peterson pitched very well. He did. Um, but just the, the absolute uh, ineptitude, <laughs> ineptness of, of the bats. Um, first time since 1987 that the Mets had at least 10 hits and were shut out in a game. Um just kind of made everyone a little more frustrated about what was going on uh, with Cespedes, and um, and then Brody Brody came on came on the Zoom after after the game and and gave us the news and and uh, I don't know did, were you able to catch his comments? I didn't. I didn't. I'd been holed up watching watching the game and tweeting, and I had to eat something before we started recording, so I did not catch his press conference yet. But um, I hear he left everybody kind of hanging. Yeah, it, it was it was a little weird. Um, it, it just kind of seemed like, um, you know, he he didn't know ahead of time. That's what he said. He he uh, was then told by his agent that he was opting out. And I, I don't. Know, it feels like they 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 probably did know something when they released the second statement during the game. Uh, it, it was tough to tell. Um, but, yeah, it's it's tough to speculate, but. You know, but we it, could, it, it, yeah, yeah, it just left a lot of more, a lot more questions uh, than answers. Um, and then it, it was, uh, it was sent out that that the the press conference was was ended um, with uh, about six hands still left raised in the Zoom room. So uh, a little kind of peculiar that they were kind of rushing him, rushing him away. So um, I, I don't know. It, you know, this is just kind of another off the field thing that is going to you know, I'm assuming is going to leak over onto the field and just it's in the players' minds that, that this is going on, uh, which, which is not what the team needs right now, uh, considering how they've been playing recently. Um, so yeah, I, 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 like I said, everything's still unfolding very fast and and it's hard to kind of grapple with the fact that, I mean, you know, it's tough. I, I don't know what's, what was going on in his mind. Um, none of us do. So to solely place, should he have let, if he definitely knew he was opting out, should he have let the team know? Probably. If you're leaving your job, you should probably let your employer know that you're, that you're doing so. But none of us know what was happening mentally or, or anything like that. Um, family, anything outside. So I, you know, I'm 100% supportive of, 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 of people just staying away from the criticism. 
Um, and it's tough. I mean, this is a guy who, who put in so much work over the last, um, you know, once he got healthy over the last year to, to get back into, into playing shape, um, you know, it, coming back from, from double heel surgery is, is not easy. And, and it, it's, um, far, far from the truth to, to say that he didn't care about, about this team or, or was just in it for the money or, or anything like that. So, um, you know, kind of, disappointed by by some some section of the fan base that has chose to come out and, and attack the player um but you know people people are are gonna gonna say what they're gonna say yeah no and yeah i i i applaud any player who's brave enough to walk away and say nope i i, I hold my health and my family's health and i hold these things higher than than my job right now so there's more important things than than going to work or or entertaining these uh the fans you know and i, I applaud these guys i've had to deal with this for the last five months like <laughs> go to work every day the amount of stress that comes along with being around a new set of people a couple of times a week is um it's overwhelming at times it's 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 quite honestly too much at times but um you know, these guys having the guts to, to say, nope, I'm not going to put myself at risk is uh, is commendable. And and I, I think any criticism is just incredibly off base. But um, yeah, just uh, what, what an what an odd, odd day. But, uh, you know, you have to move past this. Luis, Ro- I think this is going to be a testament to Luis Rojas's uh you know, new tenure, new job as a, as the Mets manager, he's going to have to kind of navigate his way through this. And this is just about as, uh, as thick a shitstorm if we've as we've seen in New York in a long time, um, at least in flushing and we get them, you know, they come in somewhat often, but, uh, this is a good one or a good one. This is a, this is a big one. And, and it's, uh, you know, I think Rojas is going to have to, um, keep everybody focused. And I still do like the chances of, of this team, um, kind of bringing it together. Are they at a severe disadvantage now, <laughs> you know, in a 60 game season, having lost five in a row, that's a, um, that's quite a little hole to dig yourself in. Um, there's been parity around the league. Hopefully they can straighten out and hope for some help. And there's still some time to do that, but uh, you know, it, let's do it on the field. Let's, you know, when things are good on the field, everything else kind of seems just to melt away. So, um, you know, guys just have to uh, turn it around. I know McNeil's been, finding his way. Um, I, I don't even know. I know after his first hit today, he was nine for his last 20, which is, yeah, I'm going to check my notes, but I think that's good. Um, <laughs> Dave, Davis is hitting. Um, he kept on hitting today. Uh, you know, it, it's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Cano's hitting. Uh, no, Cano's who, who would have thought that can Robbie Cano would be flirting with 400 week into the season? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I mean, the bar is very low for being the best hitter on the Mets right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, certainly have to commend what he's doing. Um, but, you know, it, luckily they have a, a, a certain two-time Cy Young Award winner on the mound tomorrow uh, or, or today when, when the listeners are, are getting this one. Um, so, you know, hopefully you, you put your trust in DeGrom to kind of put a stop to this and uh, – kind of get them back on, you know, leaving a series with a win, get them back in the, the confidence. Cause I, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of confidence right now. Um, just how everyone's kind of sounded in these post game interviews, they just sound kind of, uh, tired and, and beat up. Um, and you've seen Alonzo banging his bat and, and helmet in the dugout, just, just 
looks very frustrated um, and they just kind of need to keep pushing through it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the true talent, we've said it all on the true talent level of this team is, is too great for them to, to keep sliding like this. Um, bullpen maybe worries me a little more than, than the, uh, the hitters and the starting pitching, but um, you know, again, true talent level, they're, they're going to, uh, teeter back into, into straightening this thing out, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, you have to think so. And there's been encouraging performances. Um, and like you said before, Peterson's looked very good. Um, Walker took a step back on Saturday night, but um, he's been, you know, I think pretty much what they signed him to be. And again, nobody expected him to be thrust into the number, uh, number four spot. But, um, you know, I, I think all things considered, he's been all right. I'd love to see Porcello get his get himself straightened out, and I know he's. It looks like he's been very hard on himself, so hopefully that gets uh, itself worked out. But you know, like you said, there's just too much talent here for things to just keep on going awry. And um, you know, you got to hope that these distractions aren't you know affecting what's going on on the field too much. But you know, something like Sunday, where you know that's about a, a must win game as you can get. A, you know, a week plus into the season. Uh, it all, it, they seemed flat. I mean, they left 15 men on base on Sunday. That's, you know, you're not going to win games. And this is going back to the, uh, the loss against the Red Sox. That was Tuesday night. I want to say, um, they left 11 on base and that's just, uh, you know, it's unacceptable, especially with the firepower on this, uh, up and down this lineup. Yeah. I mean, guys have, have kind of shown the flashes throughout the year, but, but no one's kind of gotten on that, uh, gotten on that, uh, consistent consistent trend yet uh and of course if this was 162 game season no one would be panicking right now um but but we are uh i mean i, I don't know I, are you panicking I, i'm not i'm not panicking right now <laughs> the, the way you said it makes it sound like you're totally panicking, <laughs> are, you panicking? I don't know. are you panicking i'm not panicking no uh, um <laughs> it, it's it, it's concerning um i'm almost I'm starting to prepare myself for a for a shit season, but I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm holding out hope. We'll leave it at that, which is kind of my MO, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's wild to have hopes dashed so fast. You're just not used to this in a baseball season. <laughs> like we just started, everyone's excited to go and, and boom, we're a week in and they're just, you know, stinking up the joint. A weekend. And you have teams that have only played, you know, less than half of the games that some of the other teams have played. I mean, I just have, I have a hard time kind of just coming to terms with, with the fact that, it, you know, thinking about every team on the same playing field this year. Um, it, it's just kind of uh, crazy to, to think that this season is still going. And I'm just kind of expecting, um, I'm just kind of expecting things to, to just pause at some point, um, which makes it kind of hard to, to focus in on every Mets game every night because um, because you've, you've got these other teams that are struggling with non-baseball issues uh, that can't even play. Um, right now, the Marlins are are 2-1 and one and they're in second place in the division. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, it, it's just kind of a, a wild situation and it feels like Major League Baseball is, is kind of battling two things at once right now. They're, they're, they're trying to put on a season and play with these teams that they, that they, that they're throwing out there every day. And then they're, they're trying to uh, sequester the, the, the teams that can't play. And it just feels like there's, there are two seasons going on at once here. 
Yeah, no, and the uh, the amount of unknowns that are still so prevalent. And I know on Sunday afternoon, evening, we started hearing about more bad news potentially coming out of St. Louis. And um, this is going to be an ongoing thing. And I think the the seven inning doubleheaders that they've now adopted, um, I think those are going to be put to very good use before the end of the regular season. And I do think that they're going to get it through the season, um, not without its hiccups, of course, but um, and hopefully not without any actual serious illness. But you know, um, everyone seems dedicated and that's from the top down to the players, down to the staff who's, you know, th- these are regular people putting themselves at risk. These aren't millionaires. These are just regular people with regular jobs going in every day to, uh, to help, you know, keep the train moving. I think those guys, those are the heroes, but, uh, everyone seems really, really dead set on, on keeping this going. And I think we're going to continue to see players opting out because, um, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, that stress, it, it, it eats at you. It's not, um, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And, you know, you, you have a young player. Um, I don't know if you know, you saw Ezon Diaz from the Marlins. Um, you know, he's 200 something plate appearances in his, into his career. Uh, just exceeded his rookie limits last year. And he opted out on Saturday. Um, you know, this think, is a, think about think about all the the pitchers that have been claimed by the Marlins uh, on on waivers. Uh, yeah. they, they've claimed like four or five guys just because they need bodies. And imagine you're you're a player. On one hand, you you want to keep your major league career going because you're a you know a, a pre arbitration guy who's one or two years into your career, and and you know that if you if you get cut from a team that you're you're probably not going to get another job somewhere. So. You either keep your big league career going, or you you opt out and, and save your health. So, um, yeah, just just unbelievable stress being being put on these guys for sure. Yeah. Oh, and this is um, you know, and I get it. There's a certain badge of honor, like hey, you know, guys were, and that you know, it's kind of like you know, locker room bullshit. But you know, oh, guys, come on, it's to play through injuries. You know, rub a little dirt on it, and these are just you know athletes being athletes playing through some some tough stuff and and that's one way to look at it but this is more than just a you know a, a sore ankle or, or, or a brain or a bruised knee like it's just um yeah you know. you know mlb should have eduardo rodriguez on the red sox call into every clubhouse and, and let them let him know you know he had the virus and now he's out for the season with a, a heart issue i mean this is serious stuff it's it's not it's not just something that has no effect on you after you re- recover from it. Um, and we've heard, you know, Freddie Freeman and other guys saying that it was the worst, worst thing they've ever had, worst thing they've ever felt. They had temperatures hitting 104. I mean, you know, this is, um, this is, this is serious. And, and it's just, uh, you know, fans hear about a team like the Cardinals have, a few uh, cases in their clubhouse and you know, you don't think, well, you know, oh, that's too bad. They can't play. You don't think much of it, but you know, these are, are real people who, who are, are, are suffering with, with the illness and, and uh, they, they have families and, and putting that, they're putting them at risk every day. Um, so certainly commend uh, each and every player who has um, decided to, to put their, their health and their family's health first um, because some things are are certainly bigger than baseball. Oh, definitely. But you know, as a fan, it's certainly not terrible to be able to turn on and turn on the TV and watch baseball at any at any point. This is um, you know, it's great in that respect. But it, you know, I, I'm it doesn't sound like you are either. But I, I'm not the one to just 
take this kind of uh, uncertainty and lock it away. Uh, I can't stop, you know, I can't ignore that. And um, it seems like a lot of people are kind of like-minded in that respect. And, you know, just like we said, we gotta, we gotta hope for the best. And um, as far as what's going on here in Flushing, I, I, you know, I don't think we have any way to explain it right now. Like, like you were saying, it's still very early. We don't have information. Uh, it certainly didn't look great, but uh, you know, just kind of got to roll with the punches. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're approaching the, the point in the season where um, you're kind of past the, the, you know, first week getting, getting the kinks out kind of thing. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be, going to be important for guys to just just start getting into their groove um you know one one series against the Braves one series against the Red Sox okay you know guys guys are start start the season you know two for two for 15 or whatever but um you know once you're once you're you're getting over over 50 60 70 played appearances um you know getting three three four starts into your season you should be you should be locked and loaded um, so hopefully, you know, Luis Rojas has, uh, has, has what it takes to, to keep this team on, uh, on track. I don't really have anything to, to say otherwise, um, or that, that would, um, say that, say that he would not be able to, to keep the team on track. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly stuff like, stuff like, uh, the whole suspicious debacle certainly could have an impact, uh, on, on on the field, uh, in the clubhouse. I mean, we, we saw just now that I think it was Bob Nightingale, you know, so take it, take it with however many grains of salt you need. That's mentioned that there was a, uh, unnamed Mets player who said that Cespedes was disgruntled. So, uh, you know, I don't know if there was, uh, any, any rifts in the clubhouse or anything like that. So, um, just kind of, kind of hoping that everyone, realizes that that they have one task and that's to all right i'd say two tasks to keep each other safe and to go out there and try to win baseball games i hadn't seen that uh that nightingale quote yet and now that's stuck in my head see and 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 let, let me make this very very clear that i'm speaking for only myself when i say this that just sounds like fucking bullshit to me it does the un, unnamed player like and that could be coming from a number of places, uh, any any number of of, uh, of baseball writers that you or me or anybody might be familiar with. I'm not going to name names, but that just seems like such horseshit. It, it, an unnamed player since he was disgruntled. Oh, right. I bet you that un- unnamed player rhymes with uh, Schmeff Schmilpon, too. Like, it, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting worked up, Jacob. My apologies. No, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it, it's days like these that that. Uh, just kind of make you laugh and and uh, you know uh, stick up your your fist and to your father and, and ask him why he made you a Mets fan. So, uh, oh, I wouldn't trade it for anything, pal. I yeah. swear, I, I swear, I wouldn't. I no, you know this obviously. this makes us stronger. Absolutely. Oh, that that World Series is going to be so good. I swear, when in twenty thirty five, it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, I was going to say something like twenty sixty three or something. <laughs> no, no. Let's you know we can't suffer that long. Can't happen. Yeah. Give us a, give us a solid sixty seventy year gap, and we'll we'll be all right. <laughs> For sure. All right, uh, Jacob. You excited that basketball's back? You've been watching. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been watching the Lakers when they're on. Uh, you know. 
I, I guess it's it's probably a good thing the Knicks were were not invited uh, <laughs> because no one really needed to see uh, you know Bobby Portis play any more minutes than he already had this season. <laughs> uh, so you know it, it's it's exciting. It's weird. It's I mean probably weirder than than the uh, than the baseball games without without fans because uh, this is like a, a different environment in the in the arena that they're playing on with the NBA logo in the middle of the court. Uh, it just seems very weird. I, I can't even imagine what the what the uh, the playoffs are going to be like, just because the the fan intensity is so much of a of, of what makes the playoffs what they are. Um, but you know, props props to the NBA for everything they're doing on on social justice. Um, props to the NBA for seemingly eliminating all virus cases within within their bubble. Uh, the, the NBA and the NHL have have really done a a fantastic job with with their setup so um yeah it's it's just really nice to have sports back uh in general um but it's also nice to have sports that are understanding that there are are bigger things going on um and they're certainly not um you know shying away from it completely and, and recognizing what's what the bigger picture is yeah no i think um the other leagues have kind of put safety as a, as a priority. And, and that's not to say MLB isn't ignoring safety, but it almost feels like it's not as high on the list as it should be. And that's, um, you know, that's disappointing. But, uh, you know, just got to, we'll say it again, hope for the best. And uh, in the meantime, I'll watch my Islanders, you know, win the next 19 of 20 games and, uh, and win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I watch hockey. I, I'm not super into any, any one team. I'll watch it. I watch the Rangers first game, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're just happy to have maybe something else besides the, the Mets to watch now going forward. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly nice. I think Monday or Tuesday or something, there's, you know, live and playoff caliber sports on uh, from like 12 to 12 p.m through the day up until you have the Mets at seven, which is not playoff caliber, playoff caliber sports right now. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I might be calling in, calling in sick and watching Islanders playoff hockey on Tuesday. We'll have to see. Oh, that's, uh, that's the life. <laughs> we're going to see. All right. Well, Jacob, man, thanks for coming on. This is always fun guys. We're going to be back on Thursday. I believe Matt Brownstein's going to be back. Um, welcome him back. And also before we go, we got to wish our producer, Andrew Claudio, a very happy birthday. Uh, hey. his birth- yeah. His <laughs> birthday's on Monday. Uh, so that's why we recorded right after the game. Give him a nice little celebra- celebratory Sunday evening and uh, let him enjoy. Yeah, all right. So happy birthday, Andrew. Um, Jacob, anything cooking on your end this week? Uh, nothing specific. Um, waiting for the next uh, fiasco in, in Metzland. Oh, the next Shaquille O'Neal size shoe to drop. <laughs> All right, buddy. We will talk to you next time. And uh, everybody, you know where to find us. Let's go, Mets. Yeah!